Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we submit our hearts, our minds, our spirits to your word, your spirit, and your presence this evening. Our prayer is that throughout this week, you will engage us. You will meet us. You you will bring us to attention. You will speak to us. You will reason with us. You will open our understanding. You will help us to put ourselves in a place such that your renewal can have effect on us. Father, our prayer is that at the end of this week, we shall all celebrate the fact that you have renewed us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's a joy to know that when we meet, we meet around the God of the universe. And I find it very hard to stay on an exposition. Yes, because my passion carries me away. And uh, I will not pretend at all. So you have to forgive me, even from the beginning, that I may not stay throughout on the theme. But I, I can assure you we shall stay with God. And, and, and yeah. So please read for us the Revelations chapter 21 and verse 5. You know, this year I'm celebrating the 40th year since I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Revelations chapter 21 verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. You know, the Bible doesn't spend, not spend, waste time arguing with evolutionists. The, the scripture says that not only did I create the first heaven and the earth, 
But I'm going to create another one. Just to, to stop and make foolish the mouth of evolutionists. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the scriptures say, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No controversy. Then in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, he says, I saw a great white throne, and from his presence, heaven, the sky, and the earth fled away. No place was found for them. Revelation 20, 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from its presence, and there was no place for them. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place found for them. Revelation 21, verse 1, he says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Yes. Yes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So, the God of the Bible does not apologize to any human being for the fact that he is omnipotent. And creator of everything. In Deuteronomy chapter 10. Please find it for me. I think it's verse 17. He says that. He is. The possessor. Of the heavens and the earth. He is the owner. The possessor. Of the heavens and the earth. It's 14 please. To the Lord your God. Yes. Belong the heavens. To the Lord your God belong the heavens. Even the highest heavens. Even the highest heavens. The earth and everything in it. The earth and everything in it. Now that says three things. The first thing it says is that the heaven of heavens, the earth, the sea, the mountains, the oceans, the microscopic and the macroscopic, the galactic, and the invisibles. They have an owner, a possessor. If you are a challenger, rise up and challenge him to the ownership of that. That's the first thing that scripture says. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof. All the human beings who move up and down on the earth belong to him. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, he says, The silver, the gold is mine, says the Lord. They have an owner. In Psalm 50 verse 10, 11, he says that even the birds which fly about, the cattle which move on the mountains and the hills, they are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't ask you for food. The first thing you notice about the God of the universe is that he claims that he is the creator. But that's not all. He claims he created you. And that's important. He claims that he could have made you an animal. He could have made you an elephant. He could have made you a mosquito. He chose to make you a man because he had confidence in you that as a human being, you will give him the greatest glory. 
the God of the Bible who says, Behold, I make all things new, is the God of the first creation. In Psalm 19 from verse 1, he says that the heavens declare His glory. The firmament, His praise. In Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he says that, look, don't excuse any human being who doesn't worship God. If anybody worships idols, they are without excuse. Because they should have known. When they lift up their eyes and see the sun, the moon, the stars, and the mountains, and the seas, do they not know that it is not the work of their hands which makes it? You can read the Romans 1, 19 and 20. Therefore, they are without excuse. It's easy, you know, to get carried away that well. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. What may be known about God is plain to mankind. What may be known about God is plain to mankind. What can be known about God is plain to you as you sit there. This is the judgment of heaven. Because God has made it plain to them. God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Men are without excuse. God is creator God. But not only that. God is the God that has unlimited, infinite power over Everything that he has created. If there is any atom of power outside the control of God, then he is not God. Then that atom of power outside his control is God. He is God because all power, all authority, in heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the seas, visible, invisible, are firmly under his control. Why I'm interested in that is many times our minds play games with us. They tell us that, well, you found yourself on this earth. You make it the way you like. I even heard someone preaching on the FM the other time. He said, God has predestined us, but your destiny is in your hands. <laughs> Let God take care of your predestination, but you take care of your destiny. <laughs> One of my youth leaders came to my house and... Uh, He said, Pastor, I want to marry. This is the girl I want to marry. And I said, have you prayed about it? He said, no. I said, why? He said, I don't want God to tell me no. (laughs) And he went right ahead and married the girl. Many times we forget that we are back. Creatures 
in the hands of the God of heaven. Isaiah chapter 40, you can read for us. Okay, for our purposes, just read verse 13 and then read verse 17. Isaiah chapter 40, 13 and 17. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. Before him all the nations, all your governments, your parliaments, all, all the nations, united nations, they are regarded by him as nothing. Have you ever stood in the presence of, of a, 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 a big mountain, you know, an Afajato or Everest or Kilimanjaro or something, and felt so little and powerless? You see, many times we see God as our co-equal because we are so far from him that when we look at him, we think we are the same level, you know. Because sometimes you think that when you get to that mountain, you just take your leg and just walk over it. Sometimes that's how we feel. But the closer you get to him, the more you see that you are dealing with somebody who is much, much bigger than you. Now, the second point about the fact that God created the heavens and the earth you are on is that it means he can create 100 other such heavens and earths. The power with which he created the heaven and the earth you are sitting on means he has power to bring forth yet another and another and another and another because he made this heaven and earth ex nihilo out of nothing. Nobody gave him any spare parts. Therefore, when the first heaven and the first earth vanish from his sight, he is not threatened because he has got in his stomach the, the power to bring up another heaven and another earth. Now, the third reason why this God as your creator is important is that it means whatever you say and think and do and feel as a human being, there is someone to whom you are accountable. Let me move one step forward. Fortunately or unfortunately for us in Christ, the Christian worships only the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. The God we worship is only defined by the fact that He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. If he is not, then you have no business being a Christian. My argument is that John chapter 1 verse 18 says, No one 
has at any time ever seen God. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father. He has made him known to us. Matthew chapter 11 verse 27 says, No one knows the father except the son. And no one knows the son except the father. Therefore, the God and father of our Lord Jesus is a God who is hidden in the person of Jesus Christ. If you do not know Jesus, and he does not show you the Father, it is impossible to know the God of the Bible. This means there are three basic human beings in the world. Group one, those who do not know God at all. They don't know the God who makes all things new. They don't know him at all. And I'm sad to say that in that category are people like Judas Iscariot. He walked with Jesus. Three and a half years, he ate with him, ministered together, saw his miracles. But he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And in, in Matthew 27, from verse 3, he, said he, he returned the pieces of silver and said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? In Matthew 15, verse 7 to 10, Jesus said, well has Isaiah prophesied of you, saying, these people, they worship me with their lips, and their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. It, it, it means you can actually be in church, but be sliding to hell because you do not know the God of the Bible. And that's why I told you that even though I am older, it's 40 years now since I came to know the Lord. Because I was born and bred in a Roman Catholic home, but I didn't know God. I didn't find Him. But there is a second category. That is, those who know God, but the fire of God in their heart has died. So, according to Revelation chapter 2, from verse 1 to 5, they, they are doing the Christian things, but it is mechanical, because the, the, there, is, there is no spirit, there is no fire, there is no passion behind what they are doing. And all other people see you and say you sing in the choir. But Jesus knows. Revelations yes. 2, 1 to 5. Yes. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. They are persevering. They are enduring hardships. They are doing good deeds. They have tested those who say they are apostles and they are not and found them false. 
and I've not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So there are people who are worshipping God. There is no fire. There is no passion. There is no zeal. And there is no first love. And because of that, you see, they are doing everything the way a wife can do everything in the house for the husband. But the husband knows that, or the wife knows, that that first fire, which was so present when you were courting, eh? when you were in relationship, that, that first fire has long died. I, I'm not talking about... Okay, it's all right. Yes. So, that's the second category of people. Then, there is a third category. The third category are those who know the God they are worshipping. And I dare say that it is worth spending a few minutes to clear that area. When you become born again by giving your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, it is both an event and a process. It's an event because Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 say that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's an event. First John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 says, This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 5, 13, he says, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Romans chapter 8, from verse 14 to 16, he argues that we have not received the spirit of bondage into fear, but the spirit of sonship, adoption. That when we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus, provided we suffer with Him, that we might also reign with Him. John 5, 24, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible claims and points out that there is a certain time when you know that 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 you have eternal life. But that's not all. Eternal life begins from there but continues because John chapter 17 verse 3, Jesus said this is eternal life. That they may know thee, the true, one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And that is a walk. That is a walk. It's a fellowship. 
And because of that, it takes the whole of our lives. Please, permit me to stress the fact that renewal must necessarily involve a freshness of your passion for God. If at the end of this week, nothing has touched you to get closer to God, then something has died within you. 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. When you, are, you become a child of God, God puts supernatural love inside your spirit man, which draws you to God, which makes prayer a joy, which makes coming to church a, a, a feast, which makes reading your Bible a dessert, which makes, you know, you, you want to walk with God because there is a certain joy which God put in you. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit of God. It is a supernatural passion. It is, it is a love that God, heaven put into our hearts for God. And that love forces us to seek after the God who makes everything new. Now, why, why would God who made the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, 30, 31, he says that he saw all that he did and behold, it was very good. Why would he want to make a new thing? Why would he want to create a new heavens and a new earth? It is because his holiness has been insulted. His being God has been defied. It is because loyalty to him has been severed. Therefore, look at him. You know the story. When God created man, Genesis 1, 26, 27 says, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. These days, I see that we the preachers, we stress dominion. You see, we want to have dominion. But if you look at the passage carefully, you see that he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion. We don't want the image and the glory of God. But we want the, the dominion. You, you see my point? If I, I buy a taxi and I give it to you to look after, what am I looking for? Every day, submit to me. 
have a relationship with me such that you can enjoy the taxi. But if you just get the taxi and then and then you carry girls at the front and then lunchtime you go and order fufu with meat, you know, 200 Ghana meat alone. And you, and so at the end of the day you pack the taxi where I don't want you take it, you take passengers in it, you work at times I'm not interested in, you break all the rules I want, what I'll do is I'll collect my taxi from you. Then you are back to square one. God is interested in our knowing him because it is only when you know him that you can conform to his image and his likeness, then whatever dominion he wants, he can give you. Yes. And what else? This calls for a lifetime pursuit of God. A lifetime hunger and thirst a desire to know him more, to understand him more, to think like he thinks, to walk like he walks, to do what he likes, and to discipline yourself to feel what he feels and take action the way he wants. Any other knowledge of God which does not result in this is a lie. What's the use of knowing the Greek and the Hebrew words for holiness, but you are not holy? What's the use of knowing how to do a topical Bible study on honesty, but you are a thief? You see, First John chapter 2 verse 4 says, Anyone who says he knows him and yet disobeys his commandments is a liar. So, I just want to put to you that after all my years of, you know, going around doing all these things, I've come to one conclusion. My conclusion is that the person who knows the God who makes everything new most is Jesus Christ. It's not a bombshell. But I have come to the conclusion that the only way to know this God is to follow and imitate Jesus. Let me spend the rest of the time working through this. It is difficult to know who really created the world. <laughs> because in the Bible, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 says that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 10, he says that He was in the world. And the world was made through Him. 
Colossians 1, 15 and 16, he says he's, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of our creation. Because all things, he created all things, visible, invisible things in heaven, on earth, thrones, dominions, powers, authorities, they were created by him and for him. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, he says that he is the God has appointed him heir of all things, and it is through him that the worlds were created. The scriptures are satisfied that God did not just ask Jesus to create the world, and then, like you, your mother can say, Prepare for food for me, bring it to the visitors, and you stand aside. They, they were, they, everything you see, both on earth and in heaven. Visible and invisible. They were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 say that, Let this mind be in you which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form, the morphe, the very nature, essence of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And this Jesus, was born in a manger. And he walked on this earth. Now, what, what, was, what, what was so distinct about Jesus? The more I read about him, the more I am fascinated by the fact that he glued his will to the will of God. In John chapter 6 verse 38, the scripture says that I came from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. In John 5 19, he says, I cannot, no, the Son can of himself do nothing but what he sees the Father doing. Anything the Father does, the Son does the same. John 5 30, he says, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. John eight twenty nine. He said that my Father who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I do always those things which please Him. In John chapter 12, verse 48 to 50, he says that for me, when you hear me and you don't obey me, I don't judge you. The words which I have spoken, they will judge you. Because I'm not speaking of my own. My father gave me commandment what to say and how to say it before I came to the earth. In John chapter 14, from verse 7, there is a beautiful discussion. Because that was the night Jesus was betrayed. And Thomas said, Lord, Show us the Father. We shall be satisfied. And he said, oh, Thomas, have you been with me for so long yet you don't know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You see, there can be no renewal except we bring ourselves back to the wisdom of Jesus Christ. There are too many things occupying us. 
There are too many things holding us. There are too many things. You know, I am excited that for this renewal, you have responded in this way on the first day. I, yes, allow me to clear my throat here. You know, if you, as a pastor, I've buried more human beings than most of you sitting here. And whenever I go and I see a dead professor, a dead, you know, millionaire, a dead mother of a multitude and so on, in a, and I'm preaching, I ask myself, do human beings think? If you compare the 70, 80 years we spend on this earth with eternity, where you are going to be forever, the preparation you go to, the school, the degrees, in order to get a job, to learn the job, but you are doing that for 70, 80 years. When you die, nobody can even take your degree and give it to your children. And say, oh, your father was a professor, so you take it. You are also a professor. There's nothing like that. But we live our lives daily, tagging at big books. And you know, professor, professional things. And, and we have no time to prepare for eternity, which is forever. You are, do you think, you see, do human beings think, when you go into an exam room, eh, and you see that this question carries 50 marks, this one carries 2 marks, you don't spend your life on the 2 marks, but that's what you are doing. How much time do you have for the Bible? How much time do you have for prayer? How much time do you have for the God who created you? How much time? Eh? But when you die, you expect that he should receive you and give you eternity of his rewards. Does that make sense? Eh? James 4.14 says, this life is a vapor. Psalm 19 verse 12. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. But not only that. The, you see, we underestimate the danger of the God we are dealing with. In, read that one for us. In Luke chapter 12, Verse 4 and 5. Jesus says that, look, <laughs> don't fear people who are able to kill the body, but cannot harm the soul. I will, Luke show, chapter 12. I will show you who to fear. Luke 12, 4 and 5. Yes. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. This is Jesus. I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. After yes. the killing of your body, he has power to throw you into hell. Fear 
him. Yes? Did you finish? No. Yes, I tell you. Fear yes, him. I tell you. Yes? Yes, I tell you. Fear him. Fear him. Fear him. Tell your friend, fear him. You know, I'm also included. The fact that God is love can easily paralyze your mind. Do we think eh, the amount of time, energy, strength we spend on the things of this earth compared to eternity? We don't prepare for eternity. It takes us by surprise. Eh? What is the wisdom in retiring before you start reading your Bible? You see? What's the wisdom? What is the wisdom? How can you know God, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? How can you know Him if you don't spend time reading the Bible which talks about men and women who have encountered Him, who have walked with Him, who have spoken to Him, He has spoken to them lessons, even as a father. If I'm in the house and I finish telling all my children something and another child comes, I tell the friends to tell because to rehearse all that again. You see, the scriptures occupy, you know, Old Testament alone. It's a space of 1,400 and, and, and over of material working with God in the New Testament at about 100 years. You know? So, what you have in your hands there is 1,600 years of men and women who have worked with God. You want to know God and then you go and sit under a tree. God, I want to know you. It doesn't, it doesn't come that way. Time must be made for it. Not only that, have we examined the worth and the vanity of the things which we are chasing in this world. Do we? Whenever I go to bury anybody, I, I see that they don't even write in the obituary about how many houses he had. How many four-wheel drives he had. They don't even put it in the obituary. Have you seen? If you have seen, well, please raise your hand. Media, when I go and to bury, they don't write that. But we chase them. We spend life on it. And we sacrifice, we sell our soul to get those things. And you see, what it does is that you can't know the God when you are so filled with other things. There's no way you can know Him. There's no way you can know, you cannot even begin the journey. You are too full of other things. And in addition, everybody who is coming here to speak is coming to, you know, to bring out some aspects of God's nature and the responsibility it places upon you. Some. But I always ask myself, if Paul and Peter 
and those people who lived in the past, if they had taken this work of human soul and salvation lightly, will we be here today? I, I, I look at it. I would like to conclude I have come to the conclusion that there is a God who not only created this heaven and the earth we are on but that he has power to destroy it and create a new heavens and a new earth. Wherein dwells righteousness and holiness. The first one he created, we blew it because we listened to Satan. We fell and Genesis 6, 6 it says, it grieved God that he made man in his image. Then, out of his love for us, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, through whom he created the world. And he came onto this earth. And he walked with God. Because you and I have never seen God. You know, you know, no matter how much he is described, my children ask me that, hey, when we get to heaven, shall we see God? We get to heaven, shall we see his face? How he actually is? God, he says, no one can see me and live. So, there is no way to describe this God to you, for you to know him. The only way to know him is in the face of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, his death put to death the old the first Adam. He came, the second, the new man. And he is preparing a new earth, new heaven for those who are prepared to follow him. This evening, when we rise up to pray, I will be giving you three opportunities. The first opportunity is if you are here you, you, you are not exactly sure that you know this God you, 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 there is something in you which tells you that no, 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 no you, you don't know him will give you opportunity to meet him the second group will be people who you know that you know him. But the fire in your heart has either died or is dying. And this week, you want to take a step so that you prepare your heart for him to give you grace, to refresh yourself and be renewed, be made new. 
The third group will be those who know that they know that your fire has not died. It's still there. But you want more. You want to know him better. You want to love him more. You want to be more intimate with him. You want to flow with him more. These are the three groups we are going to pray with. And the only way we will do it is I will indulge every one of you. Just close your eyes wherever you are. If you are sure that God, God's Spirit lives in you and that you hear God saying, Abba, Father, through you, that you know Him, that He is your Lord and personal Savior, and your sins have genuinely been forgiven. All eyes are closed. I just want you to raise your hand and let me know that you are sure. You are sure that you are sure, you are sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. You know God. He is your Lord and you want, you are okay as far as knowing Him is concerned. Father, thank you. Thank you for the hands that are lifted up. Thank you for the washing of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the assurance of their salvation redemption in Jesus name. Amen. Please put your hands down. Now, the second group. If you are here, you are just not sure. You are not sure you know God. You are not sure Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior. You are not sure that you have a new heart. You are a new creation. You are not sure you can call God your Father. You are just not sure that if today Jesus appears, you will go with him. You are not sure that you are ready for heaven. I want you to raise your hands and I will pray with you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Please, wherever you are, you just stand up. Eyes are still closed. Don't worry about it. Nobody will look at you. Even if they look at you, does it matter? The one who died for you, died for you openly. He took the risk to die for you. God bless you. Yes. I want you to lift up your hands. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Say this prayer after me. Yes. It's your prayer. It's between you and God. You are making a covenant with the God of heaven and the Son Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. Say Lord Jesus. I am a sinner and I've been running my own life. But you came to die for me on the cross. And you took my sins. Today, I accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Wash my sins with your blood. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me a new heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing me. 
Amen. I'm praying for you now. I'm praying for you before you sit down. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the lives of these children of yours who today have taken a step of commitment to give their lives to Jesus Christ as the Lord and the manager of their lives. According to your word, that as many as received him, who believed in his name, to them he gave power to become children of God. I ask that you wash them with the blood of Jesus. Cleanse their consciences thoroughly. Fill them with your spirit. Give them a new heart and a new spirit. And take the heart of stone out. Give them a heart of flesh. And put your spirit in them. Cause them to walk according to your ways. And to experience the new creation that you have begun in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for these lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the last prayer I want to offer before we, we close is, if you are here, you are sick, you have bad dreams, you have a very challenging period of your life now, and you are going through a difficult moment, and you need prayer. I want you to be on your feet so that we can pray with you. Yes. You have a peculiar sickness. You have a peculiar disease. You have bad dreams. Yes. I've just been telling you about Jesus Christ who created all things and they were created by him and they are for him the bible says he himself took your infirmities and he carried your diseases on the cross the bible says that he became a curse for you because it's written curse is anyone who hangs on a tree the bible says he was wounded for your transgressions he was bruised for your iniquities the punishment for your sin was upon him. And with his stripes and his scourging, you were healed. If I'm praying with you now, right now, that there is a throne of grace where he sits at the right hand of God, where cancers, ulcers, and diseases of every nature are destroyed in his name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God, with your healing fire and power. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about healing every manner of sickness and disease among the people and doing good. Yes. In the name of Jesus. I rebuke every sickness and disease in your body right now to live in Jesus' name. I cancel with the blood of Jesus 
every effect of a curse upon your lives. Yes, every work of demonic oppression. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and command you in Jesus' name to go now. Leave now. Lose your hold in the name of Jesus. Go. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of Jesus. Yes. In Jesus' name. Every, every burden, every trauma that has not been placed before you, but is standing in your presence. Lord Jesus, in that same name, I ask for grace, grace, grace and more grace to fall. Grace to fall, that your wisdom will fall in the name of Jesus. Receive his wisdom, receive his grace, receive grace, receive grace in Jesus' name. Receive by the power of his spirit and renew her in Jesus' name. Father we thank you thank you for this week as that even from this night your children will begin to have encounters with your spirit and you will visit them in their homes visit them in their dreams speak to them tell them why you sent them into this world open their understanding about newness, about freshness, hearts that, that have fire dying, I ask that you poke them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that the blood of Jesus will drop upon each heart and refresh, renew, renew passion for you, renew zeal for you, renew, yes, a new spirit to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.